Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Monday edition of the show. We're going to do takes on takes again on Monday as we finish our week in Mobile, Alabama, our two-week scouting journey, and record one last podcast in person before returning home. Kyle, welcome to the show. What a damn tragedy this is. We're going to have to shut this down, at least for four weeks. Yep. And then we have the entire week of the NFL scouting combine together at the end of February, beginning of March. So that's something to look forward to. But this sucks, because I haven't had to work about work around each one of our schedules and come up with the time to record. It's just like, yo, you want to record right now? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So back to reality, I suppose. Well, back to reality, yes, but uh, the podcast will go on, people. Takes on takes. Let's have some fun. Bring the energy. Yeah, let's make sure we're very energetic and entertaining because uh, some a-hole put a one-star review on this podcast, and there's no way to make me more angry than to slander my dearest friend Joe Marino and say that he is not the host of two <laughs> bomb-ass podcasts. Couldn't couldn't be me, Kyle. They, they've clearly picked... Pick the wrong podcast to review because that didn't even make sense. There must be two draft dudes. I don't must, even know. Like, uh, well, there are two draft dudes, but see what it did there? Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Very clever. Very clever. Who goes <laughs> first? <laughs> Why don't you give me one? Well, here it is. <laughs> this comes from Mike F. at Cambridge Paddle. Uh, Stidham. Jared Stidham is a top 25 pick. Mike. Read it again. I, I don't, Jared, I, Jared Stidham is a top 25 pick. You're sitting here trying to He's a top 25 <laughs> pick, yeah. <laughs> Mike, sit down, man. No, he's not. I don't even know if Jared Stidham's a top five quarterback. This is a bad quarterback class, but I sit here and I think about the quarterback class. Drew Locke's going in the first round. Joe, you've got me to come around on this concept now. Drew Locke, first round. I could see it happening now. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones was poop last week, but you know what? The, the kid's probably going to get drafted in the top 50 because of his intangibles. Stidham, he ain't the next best out of that group either. So I'm selling on Stidham in the top five quarterbacks, and I'm most definitely selling on Stidham as a top 25 pick. Yeah, he took it took it to another level there. All yeah. he wanted to know if he's a top no, 25 I gotta, pick. I got to pile it on, <laughs> man. I got to keep it entertaining so we don't get any more one-star reviews on the show. <laughs> Hope you're ready for five references per show of the one-star review that we got that one in like six months. Oh, we've got the Miami Miracle 2.0 here in terms of references for an extended period of time. 
Scout Kelly, I like this take, Scout. This is a great take. Jawan Taylor will be the first offensive tackle drafted. Hashtag takes on takes. Now, I am filling in the blanks here a little bit. He says first tackle, Joe. Maybe he's not specifying no, he, offensive or come defensive. Come on now, Scout Kelly. I don't know. I don't want to put yeah. words in the man's mouth. Yeah, he, he meant offensive tackle. Fun, fun, uh, fun topic here. We uh, we both watched his tape this weekend together. Together, like so best friends do. We fresh on the. Juwan, we held hands too. Maybe uh, won't cannot confirm nor deny. Uh, Jawan Taylor, we watched his tape. He's a good player, very good. Good player. prospect, first round offensive tackle. Now, where does he fit in the landscape of offensive tackles? You know, for so long we've kind of believed it's Jonah uh, Williams and Cody Ford, those two guys kind of being the cream of the crop. But, you know, the tackle three conversation, there's a lot of names that you can bring to the table. Taylor definitely being one of them. Greg Little people like. Andre Dillard people like. David Edwards. Yanni Kajust. There's a lot. Uh, So the, the take here really deals with if he's the best or he's the first tackle drafted, not even if he's the best. I got a feeling it's still going to be Jonah Williams. I love Joan Taylor, but I don't think this is crazy. But I think Jonah Williams is still the first offensive tackle drafted. There's some fine print here. Okay. What I, if Jonah Williams is drafted to play guard and so is Cody Ford? Then yes. I think Jawan Taylor. Yeah, 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 I do think that's true. So we've just laid out the roadmap. There yeah. it is. So there you go. There's, there's variables here, Kyle. Uh, from Jason Willis. He says, Nick Bosa is a better prospect than Bradley Chubb and will be a borderline top 15 edge in the NFL from the day he is drafted. So where does Bosa stack up against Chubb? And uh, is he that quick of a contributor? Yeah, I think he's a plug-and-play type guy, and I think he certainly has the ability to translate and play at a high level because he's so technically refined. He does so much from a hands perspective. It's one of my, my obsessions with pass rushers is you can't block what you can't touch. And the best way to ensure somebody can't touch you is to utilize hand counters and jujitsu concepts and so on and so forth, those sorts of things. Now, uh, top 15 edge, that's pretty rich. But right out the yeah, gate yeah, I, from the very first second? I'll buy, but it's like 12 to 15. I'd have to sit down and do the list to feel comfortable about that. But... Uh, I'll buy in on that. Bosa over Chubb. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. agree. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch, take from Mitch. Uh, Hashtag takes on takes. Is it too crazy to think the Jets would take DK Metcalf at pick three? Because I think it's a possibility. Me and DK Metcalf have had a great week, Kyle. This isn't really a take, by the way. No, it isn't. It's a a question. Give us a statement. We're going to address this, Mitch. Don't worry. Um,. Me and DK have had a good week. We followed each other on Twitter. Uh, he yeah, got hands. We basically <laughs> we we uh, he uh, was given the clean bill of health, and he's announced that he's going to participate fully at the NFL scouting combine. And then the uh, the tweet surfaced that he he had hit over 22 miles an hour on the move during a practice this week or this year for Ole Miss. So we've talked about his rare physical gifts for a long time, and. The next thing is something that I, I'm not really qualified to talk about. I'm sure NFL teams will do their due diligence with it. He declared early there's got to be some reason to believe that that next thing is going to be just fine. And so to, to answer this question, I don't think it's crazy. I, I really don't. Sam Darnold needs playmakers. And DK Metcalf has exceptional physical gifts to become a premier NFL wide receiver. 
So it's funny the pushback that I got on Twitter because I pretty much pumped him up a lot over the weekend. But I think that he's one of the most gifted players in this year's draft, and gifted players get drafted in the top five. It's not crazy to me. Well, market share Twitter is pissed at you. Yeah, I don't. You know what? Some markets. Who, if you're a market share guy, maybe you can break that down for me and tell me why I should care about it. All right. Oh, jeez. You just oh, slammed your head. Are you okay? Yeah. That's going to be a sound clip that's going to come back. Yeah, you think that yeah. thud stuck? Well, the thud and then the the calling out of market share, and I don't understand why it matters. Okay, this comes from Chef Rock 88 Hashtag takes on takes. Ed Oliver does not get past pick 12 to the Packers. I'm curious if you guys think Oliver can play defensive end and a 3-4 lineman and be a strong in nickel-dime packages. Thanks, gentlemen. I'm curious why pick 12 is kind of the cap here because I don't necessarily think he's a great fit in a 3-4. To answer the question, mm-hmm. um, I think Buffalo's probably the floor at 9, don't you? Yeah, I, I do. So I expect Ed to be a first uh, top 10 pick. I don't necessarily expect Ed to be a top three selection with the emergence of Quinn and Williams and uh, – Nick Bosa still being present, and the size concerns are going to be real for teams. It's just an unfortunate reality. He's a phenomenal football player. He's first-round grade for me. But uh, he doesn't fit that prototype, and teams get funny about that kind of stuff. Uh, But to answer the question, if if you could play defensive end in a 3-4 alignment, from a weight perspective, sure. From an... Pass rush perspective, I certainly think he could be strong in nickel and dime packages, but I think you're kind of misusing him if you put him in a 3-4 that far out. I would rather have him be closer to the center and use his quickness and, and use that first step in less steep angles to get to the quarterback in the backfield. Do you have any, any reaction to that? No, I agree with you. I think it's the misutilization of a skill set, and he, he's he's best in a penetration-style role, and I don't want yeah. him to have to two-gap and you know rely on length that he doesn't really have. It just it, To be a total miscast. Jared Feinberg, good friend of the show, uh, at J-Rod Draft Scout. Tyree Jackson is a top-five quarterback in the draft. I don't think so. Uh, I, I He's tantalizing, right? I, I did a recap on all the Senior Bowl quarterbacks on Saturday night. Uh, check that out on the Draft Network. But uh, I get that he's got great tools. Big guy. He moves well. He can launch the ball a million yards down the field. But, you know, there's there's just a total weirdness to his game. Uh, I really think the root of his issues, I mean, obviously he's got some processing issues and ball placement issues, but I think the root of his issues are that he takes up so much space to set his base, and it's not always available for him. And so for that reason, it, he just doesn't ever throw from a consistent platform, and I think his ball place, placement is erratic on account of that. And then when you ask him to roll out and get on the move, his ability to pivot is just funky, man. He's he's literally too tall. And uh, I, I think that it works against him. Love the traits, but top five quarterback is not something I can get behind, Kyle. Um, I know that we're going to go in order here, but I want this one for you. Uh, this one comes from Javal. It's, this is amazing, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, this is for you. We, we need to go out of yes. sequence here. So, at It's Javal, he says, Daniel Jones is just Tannehill on a Bojangles <laughs> diet. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, I totally see it. Uh, there's some boneheaded stuff there. There's some athletic ability there. Uh, the arm strength is, is kind of similar. 
I'm really in. I, I think this is a, a great take, and it's just a question of Daniel Jones's peak. What can you hope to get? Are you going to get 2016 Ryan Tannehill before he got hurt? <laughs> Are you going to get December 2018 Ryan Tannehill when he forgot? Apparently he went colorblind and forgot what team was the guys wearing the same shirt as him or not with uh, some of the throws that he was making at the end. So I like the comp. And Bojangles diet is going to be a scouting lingo term I'm using going forward. No question. Bojangles is bad, Kyle. Yeah, I offered it. I, uh, I, yeah. I said, Joe, do you want to go to Bojangles for dinner tonight? And you said you shot it down like it was like the you worst know, idea I've ever had. It's hard because it's a it's a staple in Charlotte. People love it. Yeah. I have family members that love it. I put on Twitter that it's overrated, and I got a lot of kickback. But, man, I had a couple of bad experiences where – Got the Cajun Filet Chicken Biscuit, which was always my go-to. It was rubbery and cold on a couple of occasions. A couple times where the fries, you can just tell, they're just way over-seasoned, and I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take much for me to move on from some bad performances at a fast food joint. You know? Now, was it worse than the uh, cornbread you had at Cracker Barrel? (laughs) (laughs) You you played me on that. You're like... (laughs) As I'm as I'm slicing through with full strength on the serrated knife, the man to had get to use it. a two-person <laughs> saw. To get Kyle's like, oh man, it's okay. <laughs> this is the first time we've talked about it. I'm like, man, I think this. <laughs> I said, I think this is this is a little overcooked. And you're like, no, no man, it's, it's soft on the soft inside. on the inside. I'm like, oh shit, I <laughs> I got to go through with it, and it's crumb as I put the butter on. It's <laughs> It's fallen. It's fallen into four pieces. <laughs> so that was youth, useless brick of cornbread I've ever seen in my entire life. Did you eat yours? Yeah, mine you went through the same process, or did yeah. you give me the crap piece of cornbread? Uh, no, I, I, mine was pretty firm, pretty firm too. Unfortunately. Oh, what an experience! We got to stick to breakfast at Cracker Barrel. All right, I think this this one here is your yeah. Name. Yep. No, it's you get you skip me to get give me the Daniel Jones take. Yeah, so you okay. get me. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is uh is this making fun of what's his name? That cornball that had Calvin Ridley wide receiver like twenty something last I, year. I have no idea. But this is a bad take. <laughs> <laughs> take comes from reporter Liam. Uh Riley Ridley is wide receiver twenty six. I I'm pretty sure he's making fun of that goofball. He's a, tar- a market share guy, I think, oh, had, had Calvin Ridley wide receiver 26 last year. Wow. No. <laughs> this is bad. I, in all accounts. Yeah, no, R- Riley Ridley's a top five receiver in this classroom. I recently did his film. I think he got he offers all the traits you're looking for. Uh, people want to make you know stabs at his production, but, well, he led the team in receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns. So in the context of the Georgia offense, he was the best player. He was – I don't get it. I don't get it. You have to understand that offense. They run the football. They have a dynamic tight end in Nauta. They have four receivers, including Riley Ridley, that deserve targets. He fell victim to that situation. Watch the traits. Watch the tape. You're going to see a wide receiver that is definitely one of the top five in this class. Joe, yes. he didn't catch 80% of his high school team's passes. Yeah, you so. know, uh, tell me why that matters. If that matters, tell me why. All right, Kyle, this is a, this one's for you. It comes from JT, Ols- JT Olson at Icewater Olson. Ice in his I, veins. I like it. I like yeah. it. 
He says Andy Isabella becomes this year's Rashad Penny after an impressive senior bowl and goes top 50 despite the tape. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Isabella's a fun player, but my concerns with Is- Isabella coming into the week are the same concerns that I have uh, before the, uh, after this week. He's a body catcher. He doesn't have great hands. He doesn't offer a great catch radius. I think he's regulated strictly to the slot. He's not a guy that's going to win the outside. He's not going to be press coverage. Is that a top 50 pick? No. I really don't think so. I think he's a top 100 pick. I think he's a fun player. I think he can make some explosive plays in your offense. But to put him in that stratosphere for me is just a little rich. Somebody comped him to T.Y. Hilton. Going Get the into the hell week. out of here. It, and it was like somebody that hell thought was no. pretty good. I guess I'll have to Twitter search to figure it was. But, uh, man, I, that set a high bar for me. And then I watched his tape and, like, too many steps, bad hands. Like, he he, he traps everything against his frame when he extends now it. He's quick as shit. Though. He is, but you got to catch it. Yeah. And he, he catches the ball. It's not like he's got an egregious number of drops. But he's not going to work back to the football, catch away from his frame. If the pass isn't accurate, he's not going to catch it. That's where my concerns lie. Yeah, it's kind of like more of like a Cole Beasley type. A lot of grit. A lot, a lot of grit in Andy Isabella. Am I giving you this one? Yes. Okay, Sean Wright at Sean Wright eighty two. Rennell Wren and Greg Gaines are highly, all capital letters, highly underrated. Like seven exclamation points. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't want to get that far into detail, but sure. I don't think they're underrated. I really don't. I think Rennell Wren is who he is. He's a very raw, traitsy guy. Can plug some gaps against the run, but you look at his physical ability and you're just left wanting a lot more as a pass rusher. And uh, you know, Can he develop? Sure. And, and his scouting about projecting where guys can be? Yes. But I think that there's some red flags with him on tape. There's some red flags based on some things we've heard, and I'm not sure that this is a player I'm super comfortable reaching his peaks. Great, great gains is a tank, man. He's a guy that gives you max effort. He's going to plow into dudes and clog space and reset the line of scrimmage and all those types of things against the run, but like, what's the pass rushing upside? I think it's very, very minimal. So if you want a nose in a 3-4 or somebody to play shade in a 4-3 against a run, like, I think that's fine, and that's where I think he's rated. So I don't think either one of these players are underrated. I think they are who they are. And uh, and it's okay to like players. Like sure, that. sure. You can like a yeah. player, but ultimately think he's like a fourth round guy. Right. Val- valuation's different. Yeah. Greg Gaines is a likable player for what he does, but there needs to be more of an expansive skill set there for me to really like say, "Wow, this is an underrated player that can do more than what we we've, we've seen on tape." Uh, Kyle, this one is from Teron Jones at Top Shelf TJ27. I like the hands. Good handle. Uh, Hakeem Butler is the second best wide receiver in this class and has Mike Evans' potential. Your eyes are big. This is a strong take. I wasn't prepared for such a strong take. Uh, No, I do not think Hakeem Butler is the second best wide receiver in this class because this class still has DK Metcalf in it. I think Kelvin Harmon's more... Uh, effective using his size for consistent separation and getting off the line of scrimmage. I really like the upside in Nikhil Harry. I think Hakeem Butler and Nikhil Harry have similar concerns as far as separation specifically. And uh, Nikhil, I think, gives you a little bit more after the catch. Hakeem Butler is a, a straight-up savage. Hollywood Brown, 
is in this class and probably a polar opposite type of player than Hakeem Butler. But I think those explosive plays, the, the separation ability, the durability is a concern with Hollywood Brown. Uh, so, no, I think this is a strong take. I like the take, and I see the parallels with Mike Evans as far as the jump balls and high point ability and catch radius and red zone skills. But, no, I don't think, personally for me, he's not going to be the second best wide receiver. Market share, though, Kyle. Market share, yeah. Very true. impressive. Yeah. It's true. Mitch, last take of the day. Joe's favorite player, Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is well worth the top ten pick. Being a Lions fan, I wouldn't be upset drafting him at pick eight. Mitch, you should be upset if your team drafts him at pick eight. You know, look, I think I think Montez is a good, good guy to talk about right now. A lot of buzz based on the Senior Bowl, particularly the practices. Didn't do much in the game. He measured in with thirty, almost thirty-six inch arms. Great production, over 30 tackles for a loss over the last two seasons in the SEC, over 20 sacks. Like Those are really good things. But I think you have to be able to watch the film on a player that you're talking about as a top 10 pick and really see a truly, truly dominant player without really any holes. And I like Sweat. I think he's a good player. But there's a, there's a tightness about him. There's an inconsistency to really corner at a high level. And if I'm taking a pass rusher in the top 10, they need to be unbelievably technically refined like like a Bradley Chubb. Or they need to be a really loose guy that I know can corner the edge. And so I think there's some limitations there a bit with, with Sweat. And for those reasons, I don't really value him as a top 10 guy. And so especially when you consider this class and some of the depth that's available at pass rusher, I feel like for the Lions, yeah, I, I think there's more complete options particularly that edge that they could go at number eight and, and for any team, really, that would be considering sweating the top ten. So, Joe, let me ask you this. Because your uh, feelings towards Marcus Davenport are well-documented. Marcus Davenport came into the Senior Bowl last year, and that was one of the tipping points for a lot of people that, that kind of pushed the ball over the edge and said, oh, this could be a, t- a first-round pick, top 20 pick. Yeah. Ended up uh, Saints traded up for him, gave up this year's first-round pick. When you look at Montez Sweat relative to Marcus Davenport, there's some parallels even though they're kind of different players, right? Montez now comes in. He had some buzz beforehand. He has what's perceived as a really strong week. There's conversation about potentially top 25. They're not strengths and weaknesses as far as players specifically because Montez is much more stiff than what Marcus Davenport was. Mm -hmm. But Montez is probably more developed with his hands and stacking up blocks and using extension and keeping himself separated relative to what Marcus Davenport was. So when you consider that, is the fact that Marcus was more flexible enough for you to feel like the NFL is going to regard him differently? It's a good question. Um, I, I think I think the traits are a lot better with Davenport. The raw physical ability are, are much, much better. And I think those are the types of players that make a team like the Saints say, hey, let's risk it all. Let's go all in. couple first-round picks. We need this guy. This is going to be the difference maker off the edge for our team, and we believe we can develop and maximize his traits. It's funny because Jim Nagy in his opening press conference mentioned Davenport and said, hey, he wasn't really all that good the week in practice. But then he had a really standout performance in the game. 
And it's almost like the opposite with Sweat, where I don't think he was bad in the game, but I didn't notice him. He seemed pretty invisible to me. But during the week of practice, I thought he had a lot of high points using his technique and power uh, and you in length to, to to beat offensive tackles. So I, I just I don't think the NFL is going to be as quick to identify Sweat is that type of difference maker just because I'm not sure he has the same physical ability in terms of size and athletic ability. Uh, you didn't see Sweat during the game because Reisner put the clamps on. Yeah, Reisner was He good. Yeah. clamped him down. Uh, that's going to do it for today's Takes on Takes. We hope you guys enjoyed this Monday episode of the show. I want to tip the cap to a couple folks down here in Mobile. Uh, Jim Nagy, who you just mentioned, put on a great event and uh, the talent that was collected was as entertaining as any year. Strengths and weaknesses of any draft class are going to be different, and uh, I thought Jim did an excellent job getting guys in here to compete and showcase their abilities. Uh, Rob Lahaki, who is the uh, communications uh, point man for the Senior Bowl as well, for all of his assistance for the draft dudes, locked on NFL Draft and the entire Draft Network crew. Uh, we are very thankful for all of the hard work you and your support staff does uh, to put this event on as a showcase for the NFL draft process. So thank you to all of you, and thank you to all of you listening to this show. As I said at the top of the show, I'm a little upset by this one-star review, so make me feel better. Make Joe feel better. Give us a five-star review of the pod. Leave us a couple kind words. We always love when you do. And uh, make sure you come back tomorrow. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.